What's up, ecosystem? Welcome back to ATI Auto Business. It's Wednesday. It's noon central time. It's time for our monthly installment of live carrier advice with your DOT guy, Brian Riker. Uh, this Wednesday show is more of a trucking, regulations, FMCSA, DOT, authority, IRP, IFTA, you know, the stuff that you got to go to the website and you got to research and, you know, and you feel like, man, I'd rather do my taxes. Well, that's what we cover. And because we have your DOT guy, Brian Riker, um, and he's going to expound more on this is an opinion show, but he does run a business. And so we want to provide helpful advice. If you put something in the live chat, you can put it in the live chat or you can comment below if you missed the show live. And, or you can email Brian. That's right. Ding. Um, Brian, I'm going to put his email in here too. You can email your DOT question, really any question, and he will reply in triplicate. So, uh, you will get an answer. It can take time, but you'll be very satisfied with the answer. And you know why, if you've ever watched this show. So please do say hello. Jump in. Uh, let's do this without further ado. Please do help me wish a very warm welcome to... Your DOT guy, Brian Riker. Brian, can you see me in here? Real quick? Good afternoon, Jay. Hey, Brian. All right, so we kicked it off. Um, I've got a news pile. We're going to talk about uh, Ziggy Keller's passing. We're going to bring in Ty as a special guest. But before we do any of that, is there anything top of mind? Or I don't know. Oh, there's always stuff top of my mind. Uh, Ziggy's passing has made me think about advocacy and representation, and we'll talk about that uh, coming up. Um, and the demise of Yellow Freight has me really thinking about um, diversifying your customer base and um, really getting to know the market and what's going on. I'm not sure if that's in your news pile, but... It is top you know, of my mind. So I'm really glad you said that. Yellow Freight is a is obviously a huge story, um, but uh, I would love to hear your opinion. I was on vacation when it broke. I didn't have the chance to dive into it. Plus, it's freight. It's LTL, and even if I dove into it, I may not have understood everything about it. So I would love to hear your opinion and i'm sure that uh mike check one two three. Oh, <laughs> ty hit the mute button he's in the live chat <laughs> let's do this let's bring ty in here let's jump into uh let's fi we'll figure out where we want to start um probably probably starting at the top would be ziggy right ziggy keller's passing ty you're live with us i didn't give you any notice i just brought you in um i'm gonna go yeah look ty what okay I'm so shocked and I'm so unprepared. Yeah, dude. Exactly. No, I was putting comments in the live chat like I lost the audio, but I accidentally hit the mute button. So. Oh, all right. Well, cool. That's cool. Um, yeah. Let's do this. All right. I'm going to share the screen here. And I'm going to bring up what, as I reported on last night um, on Tuesday Night's Live, is I, sh I shared the, the Ziggy. This is Ziggy's obituary. Brian, take it away. Oh, I've known Ziggy 20-some years now, and he was a giant pain in my ass when I first met him, but he became a dear, close friend. Um, for about the last 10 years, we were pretty close, and that's when I realized that he really can be hard to get, could be hard to get along with from time to time. But he always had the best interest of our industry at heart with his advocacy, with his networking, with his outspoken personality. Behind the scenes, he helped a lot of people. I mean, in fact, I wouldn't be here on this show without him because Ziggy's who introduced me to you years ago when I started being a special guest on the Tuesday Night Live, which led to this standalone segment. And without him pushing... Um, a lot of what I've done in the last seven to 10 years in consulting would not have occurred. I probably would have stayed just as a small carrier, moving my cars, complaining like everybody else. 
but with some guidance, some coaching, and some not-so-gentle nudging, I made a transition seven years ago, almost eight now, into where I am today. And for that, I'm very thankful for Ziggy's constant nudging in the background. Ty. Wow. Well, I didn't know any of that, Brian. That's really great. And by the way, Brian, thanks for having me on your show today. Uh, You're welcome. I don't know Ziggy at all, like anybody, probably. I met Ziggy, I think, once, shook his hand, met him at the Matt's uh, conference or truck show. I think it was Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, just got to spend a little bit of time with him. But where I know Ziggy is from more from Facebook before I got off in 2020. But I, I definitely, when Brian talks about, you know, kind of these nudgings and kind of a pain in the ass, and, you know, you can kind of see this is what, what I call the king of super trucker, right? I mean, his views and his opinions, I was able to identify very well with him on Facebook simply because of my background in transportation. So I've always had a, a great respect for Ziggy and uh, that hard ass that you're talking about. <laughs> so oh. super huge icon in the industry. I do believe that. Yeah, and he was only hard because he was sure in his opinion that he was right and he built a couple of business empires besides his transportation company which is what led him to be such a player in the auto transport side of the industry he built a very successful auto repossession company he had a successful career coaching to some of the largest players in the industry, both on the repossession and the auto auction side, as well as a uh, little real estate empire as well. So he he well, was just yeah. that entrepreneur and, and let's make it happen. Let's come up with an answer. Yeah. And I think that's kind of I, when, when I'm saying hard ass or whatever I said, I, I think that's the passion that he has for this industry and his passion to see people succeed and by doing it the right way. Like I really got that vibe off Ziggy. Uh, absolutely. Sure. Do it right or don't do it at all. It comes from a place of love, which is really conflicting for some people because they're like, why are you being mean to me if you love me? But it's just, I want you to do good and I want you to do right. That's kind yeah. of always well, the feeling I got. That's the way Jesus did it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yep. He was a little hard on some folks for sure. Well, that's good. I uh, we can't sugarcoat things and be successful. Well, that's a really interesting way to put it. I mean, that it, it is interesting because Ziggy, uh, he he stirred things up a lot, and even with like in auto transport everything. One of the things that impressed me on the Facebook group auto transport everything is he would tell his own constituents chill out and i was i was always impressed by that you don't see that very often no no you do not very genuine mm-hmm yeah um, that's the ziggy i know through facebook for sure yeah anytime well, yeah. he would tell everybody chill out it was like i knew exactly what he was yeah i mean yeah chill out <laughs> we had yeah. several phone calls and he was uh he was always you know welcome to to stay on the phone a while and talk business and shoot the crap. And I mean, really, he really was an interesting guy. Oh, absolutely. And in real life, he was just the same. I, I, yeah. I spent the first 10 years I knew him picking cars up from his repo lot and the last 10 years walking shoulder to shoulder with him quite often <clears throat> uh, fighting for the survival of our industry. He cared about the industry. He cared about the community. He cared about the average person. He had a funny way of showing it. And um, he touched a lot of people's lives. Yes. Yeah. And, and I only knew him a short time. And I talk about him, you know, like like I really knew him. But, yeah, I've only known him, yeah, a few years. Um, but it is really cool that he is the connection to uh, you being on this show. That is really really cool absolutely and uh, the, the the same with our good friend john larrick ziggy and john were very close uh and that's why we all were involved in this ecosystem amazing mm -hmm. so yeah, that's great i ring the bell 
uh, for Ziggy Keller, and I'm sure his name will continue to come up at times. We'll be at the Auto Haulers Association of a meeting uh, October. More to come on that. Um, so, awesome stuff. I'm so glad that we got the opportunity to um, talk about Ziggy again. And by the way, hey, before I take it off screen, is there... I did wonder, is there... Are there any more events in, whether it's a wake or a funeral? Do you know, Brian? I don't know. The, I, the funeral and service was last night. Okay. I was there as were oh, quite wow. a few car haulers. Uh, that was wow. last night. And he was <laughs> buried in a family only private ceremony uh, this morning. Mm hmm. Okay. Wow. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, thank you. I didn't know yes. that. Yes. Now, in in the obituary, which is posted on all of his Facebook pages, yeah. there is a post office box for anyone that wants to send a funny story or anything like that mm. to his widow Michelle. She would appreciate it. She is taking one of his many Jack Daniels uh, whiskey barrels and plans on putting all these notes in there for the grandkids and the children to read at a later date when they need to pick me up and want to know a funny story about dad or grandpa or something like that. So am I right? Was it Ziggy that showed me like he had an extensive bourbon collection? Am I, am I thinking? Yes. Yes. Uh, like uh, mind blowing. Like, yes. I was like, what? Yeah. Just another, uh, just another sign of Ziggy. Pretty cool stuff. Mm hmm. Um, all right. Well, hey, Chris Chamberlain is here. Chris says hello. Hello to you, Chris. And let's go to Newspile. But, oh, but before we do, let's talk about Yellow. Uh, sure. Yeah, yeah, take it away. I don't know the story that well. Yes, well, Yellow Freight is a was a 99-year-old less-than-truckload company that really wasn't all that surprising when they shuttered last week they had been having some financial trouble for more than a decade and they were having a very public feud with the teamsters union now some people will say it was the teamsters that led to the demise of the company uh labor had a small part to do with it their biggest problem was just mismanagement think of the Sears Kmart merger all those years ago where Kmart bought the very healthy Sears Corporation, but then kept the inept Kmart management and drove both of them into the ground. The same thing has happened with Yellow going back to when they acquired Roadway, which was a much healthier, much better managed company, but they kept the Yellow management and then over the last uh, almost two decades drove the company into the ground. Um, They've filed Chapter 11 bankruptcy, so it's going to be a liquidation sale, not a reorganization. And 30,000 people, 22,000 of which were Teamster drivers, are out of a job. You may wonder, why is this relevant to our industry? Well, this puts 22,000 more truck drivers on the road looking for a job. Um, and there are lessons to learn here. No matter how big you are, you're not too big to fail. Using financing or leverage irresponsibly is very dangerous. They are $1.5 billion in debt, and that's a huge reason they failed because that debt was all Holy coming due crap. in the next couple of months, including $700 million that they owe to U.S. government that they took in a COVID-era loan that they weren't necessarily entitled to that they have to pay back. Um, so you need to really evaluate factoring credit picking credit from your customers because this next thing you know this could be a large dealership chain going under that you just scored that el elusive lucrative direct to shipper contract that we all talk about and then that dealership chain gets bought out or they're over leveraged and the auto market's softening they go out of business this doesn't have to be just about yellow these are just good reminders of common sense business to not have all your eggs in one basket. Uh, I, I've been watching large auto uh, conglomerates gobble up the local dealerships. I've lost several former clients of mine to consolidators, and I worry about the stability of those consolidators. And if you're caught up in the mix and you have outstanding receivables with your direct-to-shipper customer, 
you may get pennies on the dollar a year later, if at all, on what was owed to you because you would be an unsecured creditor. So this is just a good reminder to make sure your finances are in order and check in on the health of your customers, whether they be brokers or dealerships or what they are, because we can't afford to have a major customer go belly up on us. So it's a good reminder to check in on them. I was going to let you say something, Ty. I mean, I guess my first thought was the drive. The last thing that I think a carrier wants to see is 22,000 drivers dumped in the marketplace. Yes, and these were 22,000 well-paying jobs. Not as high as other Teamster jobs pay, but they still were well-paying jobs. And these are drivers that are used to running their regular route, being home at night. They're going to have a real hard time in the soft job market finding a comparable job. Um, I could see some of them maybe even coming into our industry because even though we're complaining about how awful times are, we still have some of the best paying truck driving jobs in the transportation segment here in car hall. So I could see some of them coming into our market. Um, I see some of them maybe becoming owner operators because they have a had a decent income, so they have money in the bank and resources. Now is not a time I would recommend anyone to be an owner operator, but some of the biggest companies were built during the depression and the hard times, so it's possible. Uh, we may even see some of them leave the industry altogether, which then feeds into this um, constant churn of new drivers and lower quality drivers. I hate to see good quality experienced 20, 25 year hands leave the industry, but I think that's going to happen with a lot of them that were at the top. They're going to ride off into the sunset with a reduced pension and just call it a career. Uh, all right, I'm going to say this. So I've tried to wrap my arms around auto transport businesses by size of trucks and trailers and that has been really hard so i can't imagine trying to wrap your arms around the freight industry in north america i mean you there are like transport topics or you know you'll see like top 100 freight companies and these are the mega carriers but when you read down the list you're like oh my god that's a lot of mega carriers yes and and the scary part is the majority of transportation in the North American market is done by owner operators, small fleets, not the mega fleets. Uh, but now just to, to speak to that for a minute, Yellow Freight was number three on the transport topics list of largest LTL carriers. So the oh, third largest LTL wow. carrier just wow. collapsed. And they were somewhere, I believe, in the top 10 or 20 on largest overall trucking companies in the United States. So this is going to have an impact on all of transportation. This could impact even your business. I don't know if they cleared out all the freight in their system or if this is gonna be like when Red Star went belly up in 2005, I believe it was, where a friend of mine lost his business because parts for his truck were stranded on their dock for six months and he could not get a replacement because they were warranty parts. The dealer just wanted to hold the truck until the parts came in and he ended up losing it to the bank. And when Consolidated Freightways shut down on Labor Day weekend, uh, I believe it was 2000, they shut down. Uh, they had no advance notice, so they didn't even try to clean out their system. Yellow at least tried to clear the freight out of their system, but it stranded hundreds of thousands of tons of freight. I don't know if Yellow has any stranded freight on their dock, but that can be held up for weeks to months in bankruptcy court while they fight over even who's going to pay to go open the facility to let you pick the stuff up off the dock. You may have parts for your truck sitting stranded somewhere in the network, and you're wondering why they're not getting there. There's a lot of potential impacts to even your small carrier because of this mega carrier's failure. Whoa. Mm -hmm. Whoa. Well, so um, I know this is a topic that we all have an opinion on, but is there really a driver shortage? No. Right. Right. Okay. 
<laughs> oh no, not again. Oh, here we go. <clears throat> we don't have a driver shortage. So when Brian says we don't have a driver shortage, and now we've got an additional 22,000 drivers, take that and cut it in half, say 10,000. Okay, who needs drivers? Now, um, I only know car hauling guys, but yeah, who needs drivers? Everybody right needs drivers. The, the, one of the other companies I represent in the auto recycling industry, we could always use drivers. We're, we're, we're uh, about a 30 to 40% annualized turnover. So we probably need 40 to 100 drivers a year just for that one little company. And there, there are lots of companies that need drivers. Now, let me qualify why I say there is no driver shortage. We generate 400 to 600,000 new Class A CDL holders in the United States every year. And the ATA's estimate is we're short 80,000 drivers due to attrition. We're not short that many. We just have a horrible churn because people come into the industry, are sold a uh, dream that is actually a nightmare, and they wash out. Most CDL holders give up their CDL and stop driving within the first year of obtaining it. Mm -hmm. That's why it appears there's a shortage. What there is is there's a shortage of good quality truck driving jobs that can become a career. You just made me think. So, like, because I know Mid-America Truck Show... <clears throat> if anybody that hasn't been camera one if you haven't been to the mid-america truck show you got to check it out it is a giant show of there's many things there's truck parts there's truck marketing truck staffing truck everything but what i saw a lot of is driver recruiting oh absolutely like, oh so much yeah and it's a fascinating thing to see because then, I mean, how do you differentiate what makes it? It reminded me of like when uh, when you see a couple, uh, I don't want to get crazy here, but, you know, military recruiting. Because how, how do you do that? How do you recruit for the military? Right? Well, they sell, they sell you on a dream of the oh, GI Bill and education yeah. and... The military is a high turnover organization as well because they only make you sign up for a very short commitment. Uh, trucking here, the same thing. Our truckload segment, they are happy when their annualized turnover is under 100%. So when you're a company like Knight Swift with 30,000 drivers, you have to hire 30,000 people a year just to keep butts in the seat on your truck. Whereas the LTL market, like where Yellow Freight just collapsed, they're very unhappy when their annualized turnover gets into the double digits. We're talking 10, 11, 12%. And most of that attrition is due to retirement. Um, so for those drivers, a lot of them have been with the company 10, 15, 20, 25 years. It's going to be a very hard adjustment to go work at a different company if they can't get into the LTL market. And then because they're a seniority-based organization, even if they go to another Teamster shop and they have to dovetail in or start at the bottom, they're going to have a real hard time going back to the bottom of the dispatch pile and the crappy runs and all of that after paying their uh, their dues, quote-unquote, for 20 years to get to the top <laughs> of the seniority list. Excuse me. All right, so, hey, I got it. All right, so here's what I want to do. I want to go to the news pile. Now that we have this you know, mixed up reference. Um, let's go to the news pile. Mic check one, two. All right, here we go. Uh, first thing I just want to say again, I love it when Brian replies to a question and this was, what was this again? This the, was, this came yeah. in. He, he found my contact information through your show, but he actually also reads, uh, post I put on another social media platform. And uh, that was an answer about going on vacation with his hotshot truck, no trailer, which is under 9,000 pounds. So it doesn't meet the definition of a commercial motor vehicle in any state until he hooks up his trailer. So as long as he covers his numbers, he's good for DOT. But then I also reminded him to double check with his insurance policy to make sure that he can do a personal use of a commercial vehicle, depending on how his insurance is written. And these are the little things that you don't think of. You ask one question, you get three answers because there's multiple steps to the question you ask. 
So once again, the I, I I'm gonna say minefield, but the minefield of you think you're just going to get in a truck and drive, and now you have encyclopedias mm -hmm. that you need to be able to reference. I just am blown. I'm always blown away by what's expected for uh, an well, owner operator to know. And yeah, there we go. <laughs> Take it away. Here we go. We all. We all think that this is the only book that matters, the big FMCSA green book. But this here is just as thick, and this is just the out-of-service criteria for CVSA, not to mention all of the Uniform Commercial Code, state regulations, IRS and state tax regulations, DMV rules. There's a whole myriad. Then we get into occupational safety and all of that, there are a whole myriad of rules that apply to running your own business that are so much beyond just knowing how to fill out a logbook and what's going to happen to you at the scale house. Boom. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thanks, Brian. That was awesome. <laughs> Thanks, Brian. Uh, so, so here, let's go to the next. Okay, so I, I saw this. FMCSA not completing Mexico carrier reviews on time. I, I don't know what I'm reading. Do you know what this is? It doesn't surprise me. FMCSA is a very understaffed agency. They have all they can do to do the new entrant audits here in the United States. And now Mexican domiciled carriers get a much deeper review than United States or Canadian domiciled carriers that want operating authority in or through the U.S. And... What's really bad is there aren't that many carriers that have an MX number, a Mexican carrier with authority to operate in the United States beyond the border zone, and they still can't do the proper investigation of them. Whereas there are hundreds of thousands of U.S.-based domestic carriers, there's probably a couple hundred Mexican-based carriers, and we cannot appropriately inspect them to assure their safety while they're on our roads. Does the Canadian contingent share any similar characteristics to that or just curious? Um, no, the Canadian carriers are, well, there's a lot more Canadian carriers with authority to operate in the United States than there are Mexican domiciled carriers. But the Canadian carriers, they're inspected about the same frequency as the U.S.-based carrier. And the Canadian authorities have a much stricter compliance program. So if they have valid interprovisional authority in within Canada, most likely they are going to meet the same safety standards as a U.S.-based carrier. We have very similar regulations and very similar levels of enforcement activity on both sides of that border. The problem is the Mexican-based carriers, and this is not a slight to the Mexican carriers, they are some of the hardest working people I know, but their government doesn't have the same oversight or even the same integrity with their oversight as we have in the U.S. and Canada. So we have to do our own investigations. We can't just presume that their investigations are valid and accurate results. Uh, and I'm going to chime in. I know this is something that you can't talk about and it's 2023 and all this stuff. But I would say it's not the culture that doesn't work. It's the government. Yes. Yes. The, the government is the problem south of the border. It is not the people that live down there. And, and we get skewed results from roadside inspections because the Mexican domiciled carriers are only sending their best equipment across the border. So all the inspections that happen, happen at the port of entry on a daily basis, most of those trucks are in great shape. So we only see a small part of the market and how they are functioning. We don't have that back office visibility to make sure they have the safety management system in place. That's the whole purpose of our new entrant audit for a US DOT number, is to make sure that as a carrier, you take safety seriously and you're doing at least the minimum requirements to assure you have qualified, competent drivers and competent management running the company. We ha don't have the same visibility into the Mexican operations to assure that. Uh, perfect time to go to FMCSA to renew plan for carriers to keep accident records. 
yep, this is just their normal uh, submission to the Office of Management and Budget to show how many man hours they believe it's going to take for carriers to complete their accident register. All current interstate motor carriers are required to keep a file when you have an accident that meets the definition of a recordable accident, and you need to maintain that for three years at your place of business. This is just FMCSA justifying the hours versus the expense and the expected safety benefits so that they can keep that regulation on the book. It's nothing new. All right, cool. Nothing new. Nothing to see here. Um, FMCSA adds four more ELDs to list of revoked devices. This gets my attention, but only because once I realized, I started to look at the list of ELDs. My God, there were over 100. Yeah, they're, they're currently about 160 that are revoked, and there's uh, probably three to 500 or more that are approved. And... Holy this is the problem with voluntary certification for compliance without any independent verification. This is another place where Canada kicks our butt. The Canadian ELDs have to be independently verified, similar to like an electric product you buy here in the U.S. that has the underwriter's laboratory sticker on it that says UL said it's safe. Well, if you create an ELD, you just have to self-certify that it meets all the requirements and it takes years of using these for the FMCSA to get enough reports of an ELD by field officers that did not do its job properly for them to investigate and then revoke the ELD from the list of approved devices. Um, if we had an independent authority verifying these before they could be on the list of approved devices, a lot of these, because you hear carriers, oh, yeah, I got an ELD that lets me edit drive time and everything. We know that's not an approved device that is meeting the standards, yet they're on the market every day. And when those four close, 10 more will pop up to take their place. Wow. <laughs> what an industry. Oh, absolutely. There's always a way to get around it. And most of these ELDs are manufactured by foreign software and hardware companies, so there's not even any chance of criminally prosecuting them when they have these fraudulent devices on the market. And if you knew you're buying one because it's going to get around the rules, then that's on you. But I feel bad for the innocent people that bought it because it was a low-cost point, and then they have to go buy another one because it doesn't work as intended, and they weren't intentionally buying one that didn't meet the rules. Cyber hijacking. Well, truck, hack, truck hacking. Very easy to accomplish in Good today's uh, day yeah. and age. Wow. And just, just think about the uh, Motor Trend report where they hacked into a Jeep a couple of years ago while one of their editors was driving it. With all this technology that's connected on the IoT, then it's real easy to get in there. And this is one of the concerns with ELDs and why they were so vehemently opposed by groups like OOIDA because the ELD connects to your onboard data bus. That data bus then connects to every computer system in your vehicle. And so if you have an ELD with poor security, I can hack into that and then take control, turn on and off your lights, turn on and off your steering assist, maybe your lane keeping, maybe on these new trucks that have the steering assist to keep you in a lane, I can give it a command that it wouldn't otherwise take. There is a huge potential to hack into the system through any one of the number of aftermarket devices, not just the stuff from the OEM chassis manufacturer, but when you add in a cut-rate camera system or cut-rate ELD, there's a real good chance that that could be hacked and used as a way to get into the data bus on your truck and take control of it, or even just know where it is so it can get stolen. Imagine this. there, There's... Uh, a tool on the market now for stealing cars where you can unplug the wire, high-end cars, uh, I don't want to name a manufacturer because I can't recall off the top of my head, but you can reach up through the fender well, unplug the headlight harness, plug in this tool because the headlight has its own control module in it and it's controlled by the OBD2 data bus. You plug this module in and now you can unlock the door and start the car from outside of it using the wire for the headlight. Just imagine doing that remotely on a vehicle with an ELD or a camera system. Start, unlock the door so the cargo theft guy can take off with the truck and go without ever needing to actually pick a lock or break a window. They can unlock it remotely with an app on their phone. And this is not science fiction. This is stuff that's happening every day with vehicle theft. 
It, it reminds me of like, you know, EV batteries are not on fire and exploding. <laughs> you don't need to park away from the building. Yeah. Everything is fine. It's uh, auto transport. Everything's fine. <laughs> this is auto transport. You can yes. do whatever you want. Yeah, no, it is. It, what's wild, and I was going to say, because like on the military marketing, you see like, you know, on TV, like sword fighting and like jet piloting and then cut to reality. Yeah, you reality. Know? You're sleeping in a muddy trench or you're humping cases in a warehouse as a as a dock worker in logistics support. So they should do like truck marketing where you're like Dukes of Hazard over ramps in your semi. And well, well, have you seen in these truck driving simulator games now? <laughs> In real yeah. life, companies like Schneider are advertising uh, yes. on the billboards in there. And I have opined that this is to train remote truck drivers so that when the level five autonomous vehicles come into play and they just need a human operator for the last mile on the city street, they're going to be ready to sit at a video game console for eight hours a day and drive that truck because they were practicing in a simulator. We're building the next generation of truck drivers that can focus on playing a game for 12 hours at their station like they are in real life. And I'm going to say this, regardless of the company that's being marketed or doing marketing or whatever, they're not even really hiding it. No, <laughs> they're, they're, they're proud of it. And I, I got to give them it's kudos. Awesome. It's something I would have never right? thought. I know. It's actually pretty genius. You know, if you were at the, you know, if you were Smithers and Mr. Burns, you know. Yeah. Yeah. This is this is genius. Uh, Douglas says hello. Charles is here. Constantine is here. Thank you guys so much. Uh, and uh, Jaja Jaja said not enough younger drivers between 21 and 30. So thanks for that comment, too. I think we're near the end of the news pile, and, um, oh, yeah, Mother Trucker News. I want to mention, I didn't want to roll the video, um, because it is it's his video, and, and it, yeah. the point is, this video got me thinking. When you're driving down the road, the Mother Trucker News video talked about truckers driving down the road, now there's devices hooked up on overhead road signs, I think? Mm-hmm that are looking to see if, if the driver's on the phone. And it's yep, not Kentucky has rolled the these out. Okay, take yep. it away, yeah. Yep, sorry, Jay. No, Kentucky, not at all. Kentucky has rolled these out publicly, but there are several states that have these type of cameras either fixed or portable. New York City is experimenting with them in a portable format where they'll park on an overpass while you're driving through on one of the uh, uh, main thoroughfares, and they are sending mobile tickets for handheld device usage. Well, Kentucky has some that are focused directly and specifically on commercial vehicles where it sends the image to a commercial vehicle enforcement officer who then initiates a traffic stop. So those tickets actually go against your license. Whereas in other states, they're treating them just like speeding tickets where they go to the vehicle owner. And so you don't get any points on your license. You just pay a fine and you move on. Kentucky is using this as an automated enforcement measure in a hybrid with a real live officer at the same time most of them are located just before a scale house so you'll get pulled into the scale house get a red light you come inside and they give you your safe driving award with photographic evidence and away you go and you're not even going to probably be able to successfully contest those in court because they have you on camera committing the alleged violation which is holding your phone right yes holding your yes phone. Handheld use of a mobile device is a violation of Don, federal need, regulation. Do you need to be using it? What if you can prove that you were just holding it? Just holding yeah, it. Yeah, I knew it. The, the regulation clearly states you may not hold. So there are some officers that are getting to the point where they are trying to use that to say it must be in a holder and physically secured in the vehicle. Because the regulation clearly states that you may use one finger, one button, to initiate or end a action on the mobile electronic device. And mobile electronic devices can be a cell phone, can be an ELD, can be a GPS. One finger or voice finger. command. Not two. Yes, one finger but is what... One finger. One, one Does it matter push. which finger? No, one huh? button push. 
And so the so and remember, if written under FMCSA regulation by a commercial vehicle enforcement officer, this can be up to a $2,750 fine to the truck driver and an $11,000 fine to the motor carrier if you don't have a written policy prohibiting handheld use of mobile electronic devices. And in some states, they think of taking your finger. <laughs> um, so <laughs> you may as well, right? What are you going to do? Uh, Exotic Hotshot says, is this live and working in Kentucky already? The answer is yes. Be very, be very careful in Kentucky, especially by the state borders and the way stations. So can you, if you have your phone docked on your truck, like in that cyber hacking photo, and you're not touching it, you're okay? Correct. You're not allowed to touch it. Now, don't get caught because it'll be under another old DOT oh, regulation. No. Don't get caught watching a video or something like that on it because there's an old regulation. I'm not even sure it's actually still on the books, but the premise is still there. They prohibited devices capable of receiving a television signal to be mounted within line of sight of the driver in a commercial motor vehicle because truck drivers would put little portable oh TVs God. on their dashboard. But, but Teslas have video games or something. I don't yes, know. Yes, I know. Yeah. <laughs> I heard that they've got the, the FM, FMCSA made a deal with ACV to get the Apex to put in the dash of the truck so that when you fart, they can write you a ticket. <laughs> that, that would probably be the EPA that wants to ticket you for your right. emissions now from your been, anus. Now you're a disruptor of climate change. Yes. Um, <laughs> ESG. Oh, oh boy. Here we ESG. go. Throwing a, a little DEI on top dude, of the ESG. Dude, you get an ESG alert on your dash. With a little apex. Chris asks, does this include headsets or phone in hand? Phone in hand. Headset oh, is a hands-free device and is allowable. But again, you can still only push one button to initiate it. So when you pick up your trucker headset and put it on... You can hit one button to initiate or end the call. Ah, thus the one button, one finger. Yes. This, I'm going to start you, seeing that on the above the road signs. One button, one finger, one life. I don't know what they'll say. There you go. There's Some your marketing. creative marketing person. Candy, love a good candy time knows about that. Oh, uh, hey, Candy. Blue. By the way, Candy, candy thank you, Candy. Making it rain out there, She's Candy. making it rain. What were you going to say? Candy knows uh, well, about that. One thing that Candy knows about um, very well, she knows how to identify a truck driver anywhere, anytime, and it's the Blue Parrot headset. <laughs> you, you know, I'm starting to see other people truck that aren't driver. drivers running around with these. I've been spending a lot of time this summer at the Bethel Woods Center for the Arts, which is the original Woodstock site, and their security are running around with this exact Blue Parrot 650 headset paired to their cell phones instead of a traditional microphone for communication. I'm starting to see them in other environments. But yes, that is a cool joke because we all had our blue parrots for years. And that's how you know you're a real super trucker. And true story, shout out blue parrot. We were at Matt's Mid-America Truck Show. I wanted to interview the blue parrot guy and he made a deal. Um, he, he gave me one of their sample units and I gave him an interview, and I used that Blue Parrot. When I do remote live shows, like yeah. live from NIADA, and I'm sitting there on a headset, it's a Blue Parrot. Love that thing. I remember telling Shout you to go talk Blue to those guys, because yeah. okay, that's how yeah. I record my show when I'm on the road and right, right here in front of my $300 studio microphone. Good product. Blue Parrot. Yes. Yeah, lots. But maybe the maybe the most popular headset in trucking. Pro Candy probably they were the first one purpose built for truck drivers and now they're owned by a different company and so the, a lot of their technology is ending up in office environments as well uh -huh. but they still are a very rugged headset that works very well in the truck environment i'm sharing the link in the live chat in case you're not familiar blue parrot has two t's yes it's a blue parrot as the logo for for probably 15 years, my go-to headset was the BT250, and now I got the 650 because I can plug the extra earpiece on when I'm on the airplane, and I've got a nice stereo set of high-fidelity headphones. Oh, get headphones. out of town. That's Whoa. so smart. Yes. Whoa. Yes. Whoa. No way. 
Yep. No way. Whoa, yep, whoa. it's got a little port here whoa. on the side where you can oh. snap the other earpiece on wow. that I keep in my backpack in a little protective case. And then I've got a nice noise, uh, it blocks out all the noise, and it's good. High, it's okay. 20 to 20,000 hertz sound, so, so high fidelity. Check this out then. You know where they're headed since we talked about uh, video game trucking. Yep. Video game headsets, right? Exactly. Oh, dude. <laughs> what Whoa. a market. I'll, I'll, if Great. I wear both ear cuffs, I'll even get the rumble strips in the right ear on my fake video game truck oh, exactly. I'm driving. Dude, then you'll have a blue parrot like console, <laughs> right? Shaking. <laughs> get it off the thing, the rumble strips. Get off That's the rumble it, strips. Man. Oh, right. And by the way, I was watching a video game truck driver years ago. Um, Kimberly and I talked about we should get these for the kids and teach them how to be video game truck drivers and make, <laughs> make videos. Because this guy's setup, he there was like four parts. There was the wheel, yep. and there was the shift, right? It was like amazing. Yep, I, I, I've seen, they, they go almost as far as the flight simulators. And now I'm, I'm a uh, avid general aviation enthusiast. Oh, um, sure. And Those some of the flight too. simulators, actually, if you get the right equipment with a flight simulator, you can, uh, hang on, I got a Teams call coming in. I got to cancel. Oh, yeah. Um, um, and call. You can you can get <laughs> with the right flight simulator. You can actually get credit towards your flying hours while you're a student pilot. That's how far flight simulators have come. Whoa. So with the right hardware and the right software, Whoa. you can get some credit hours towards your time. They don't have that with CDL driving. No, no, wow. no. We still have to go in the real world as what? it should be. Ah. Oh. Hmm. All right. I, I, yeah. I, I was waiting for that to come out during the pandemic that I could take my road test on a truck driving simulator and and pass and don't give them any ideas. The, dude, the pandemic. Isn't that funny? <laughs> you just said that. I, I saw like a TikTok and this in this kid, kid, you know, millennial, I don't know, under 20, whatever, was saying uh, the pandemic as in it was, you know, a past event, the pandemic. The pandemic is now a past event. Yep. I haven't seen a mask in months, right? They're course, very talking rare. About, right? Talk, talking about masks is now like talking about EV and EDI and, you know, truck hacking. Yes. But I haven't seen a mask in months. The pandemic is officially a past event. Uh, is that true? Yes. Yeah, I believe it is true. The pandemic Can I get an is an amen? Can event. I get an amen? Amen. Well, starting the, new, the new pandemic is the climate change. you got to scare everybody because it's too hot out to go inside. What I'm trying to figure out is how they're going to use the climate change to get the mail-in ballots for the 2024 election because it'll be cold. Dude, mail-in ballots? What do you do? Those are all rigged. <laughs> I don't know. We shouldn't talk politics on this but show. We shouldn't. But when it's, but when it's really... Listen, my favorite, I just want to say this. My favorite is when it's really cold outside and snowing. There's a group that's like, yeah, see, global warming can't be real because it's snowing. Now, I'm not going to weigh in on whether it's real or not, but that's funny. Mm-hmm. 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 You get that. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Brian, thanks well, for we got EDI. Always we got social you. credit scores to keep up. I really want to get the loan on the house. <laughs> You're welcome, Ty. Yeah, that was awesome. Thanks, Thank Jay. you guys so much. I think I'll see you guys. We're going. Tell everybody we're going to go live tonight. Okay, so live. Hey, here's, yeah, I'll throw. I'll, here comes the graphic. The Let's see if cars. we can do this. Our plan is to go live. Uh, guitars and cars. Blow it up. Yeah. yeah so we got guitars and cars. Wednesday John night, party. Seven p.m. Okay. Oh, here it is. The music begins at seven. That's Justin. Okay. That's Justin. John, oh, wow. John's coming John's on hard nine. at 9. Nice. Oh, wow. Okay. Dude, so, too bad I'm going to be in Chicago tonight and not Kansas City. Well, yeah. Right? Now, I'm probably not going to hang around for the concert, but we're going to take it as far up to the concert as we can because it'll get loud. And people. What happens a lot of times when I'm live on location, I get a lot of fans that come and try to take the... Oh, I, they don't want me to take the crowd away from the concert. You That's can barely see with all the roses thrown i know it's it's a big deal it's hard especially in the transport parking lot on fridays <laughs> they're throwing <laughs> they're throwing catalytic converters and stuff it's all awesome. right where's my tie down yeah. bar yeah. <laughs> here comes another one 
Uh, <laughs> thanks, Jay. Thanks, Jay. I'm out. All right. Thanks so much, Jay. We'll see you later. All right, Brian. Um, oh, hey, calendar. So what I want to do is next month, I've got some influx travel plans. So my proposal is I have September 13th on the calendar, but my proposal is the 6th in case that works better, but I don't know your schedule. Um, let's see. The 13th is wide open. The 6th, uh, that would be... Yeah, the 6th I could do as well. Okay, perfect. So we're going to put it as the 6th. The 13th will be all, our alternate. Okay. And then we'll go from there, but I'll schedule it for the 6th. All right. Thank you, awesome. Jay. Awesome. Hey, that was a really... Uh, that was a full show. Yes. Doing it monthly like this is kind of working out and pretty good turnout today. So for everybody tuning in and hey, Candy, thanks for the live support. Really, really, uh, really appreciate that. And of course, if you have a question, send your email to onair at yourdotguide.com. I think I, somebody was like, hey, what's this email? And I think I said, like on air your dot guy at gmail.com. That's not it. It's <laughs> no. on air at your dot guy.com. Go to your dot guy.com. And if you uh, if you want to learn more about Brian's business, go to fleet compliance solutions. Dot dot net. Net. Yeah. No, no, no Gmail addresses here. We have real domains. Fleet compliance. I know I got a, I, dude. I have it. I still have a Gmail. You, you know, it. that's one of the things they tell you when you're vetting brokers is to make sure they have a real domain address. I've gotten like, yeah, I've gotten demerits because I still have a Gmail. I'm looking at fixing that. I, I have customers that I can't email with if I use a Yahoo or a Gmail type address. I it actually, has to come from a business domain. One time I was unable to sign up for something because I had a Gmail. Mm-hmm. Like, fine. I won't be a part yep. of your community. Yep. Uh, but you know these are these are things. And uh, how about when you get a phone call and it's spam? Likely, I, he calls me all the time. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. I'll see you on September sixth. Thanks a lot for what you yep. do, and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you, Jay. All right. See thanks, you, everybody. Buddy. Take care, everybody. Thank you so much. We'll talk to you soon.